Well, it sure seems like December has flown by. Yesterday was Thanksgiving, at least in my mind, and now it's two more days until Christmas Eve. And so no doubt, like Santa, you have a list as well, and so you've probably crossed off a few things. You've got some shopping done, you've got some Christmas parties under the belt, you received a white elephant gift that's going to make for a great story. Maybe you drove past the circle, stop, or plaza, sorry, circle to the layperson. Took a picture with the nativity scene? Anybody? Two people? Nice. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Broke out the winter coat, walked down Pine Street drinking a hot chocolate? Three people. All right, we're getting there. This one gets everybody. Busted out your Donny Osmond Christmas CD and played that bad boy out. No? Okay. That mountain's just me, but... As you're crossing that stuff off, you reminisce over an ornament or two, and maybe, you know what, you're like, forget all that, I'm just going to hibernate, and that works too, because in between the hibernating and the days that are moving at light speed, there's always this little bit of catching up that you get to do, and that's my favorite part. Someone comes home, or you, you get to sit with someone that you haven't sat with in a long time, they say, hey, how it's been, and then you say, let me tell you, let me catch you up on everything that's going on. And so to follow suit... Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Now let's catch up on the text. So where do you want to start? Let's start with our Isaiah 7 text today. So I'm going to tell you everything that's been going on. Here it is. Now, Isaiah 7 is famous for that little chief passage that Mr. Morner read for us from Matthew, which is that whole idea of the virgin giving birth to the child. And we read that every single Christmas. But if we go back even further, there's a little bit of history that we may want to know about, about what's happening in Isaiah. So here's what's going on. The mighty nation of Assyria, with an A, had extended its power over the countries of the West, forcing Judah and Israel, because at this time, after Solomon has, had died, the kingdom split into two. Israel went to the north, Judah in the south, and Judah in the south is where that capital of Jerusalem is. Now, Assyria is conquering everything and is forcing them to pay tribute. But several countries had decided because it's December and because Star Wars 9 just came out, they needed to form a rebel alliance. And these two countries included Israel and Syria with an S. But for some reason not told to us, King Ahaz refused to be part of this alliance and the rebellion. Now, since the Western alliance, they were like, you know what? Not a good idea to have this Assyria with an A sympathizer in our midst. So here's what they decided to do. The two kingdoms, which we're going to look at in our text, Syria with an S and Israel from the north, decided that they were going to invade Judah. They were going to replace King Ahaz, who from the line of David was the king down there, with their own puppet king, who would follow their instructions and join the alliance. And coincidentally, at that same time, Ephraim and, I'm sorry, the Edomites and the Philistines, all of them have been raiding Judah as well. So to sum up, in case you're like, what the heck is he talking about? King Ahaz, here in Jerusalem, is getting attacked and surrounded from every single side, and his army is not doing very well. So Isaiah was sent by God to reassure Ahaz that the plans of the Israelites and the Syrians wouldn't succeed, that God had given his promise to David that David's family would reign on the throne in Judah, and so God would turn back these men who were trying to remove the royal family of David from the throne. But Ahaz didn't have any confidence in God, nor God's promises. 
And since he was being attacked for being loyal to Assyria with an A, he decided to put together a large gift of gold and silver that he confiscated from the holy temple and the royal treasury and sent it off to Assyria, pleading for help from all the traitors that he was surrounded by. And that's where we pick up in our Isaiah text today. God is sending Isaiah now for the second time and offering to do any miracle Ahaz desired as a sign that the future was safe and that God was in control. So again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Now this is an interesting moment. Because think of the signs so far that the Jews have seen. Some have been natural signs, like a rainbow in the sky after the flood. Some have been supernatural, like when Moses threw down the stick, picked it up, it was a snake, right? Put his hand in the cloak, pulled out, it was full of leprosy, put it back in, it was healed. Think about the ten plagues. Think about the fleece and the dew, the walls of Jericho falling. There have been countless signs that God is in control, strengthening the faith of his people. And here God comes to Ahaz and says, I'll do one more. And Ahaz, as we can see, can ask for anything, something that couldn't even be imaginable. That's what deepest depths and highest heights means. But Ahaz says, I will not ask. And then quotes Deuteronomy 6, just like Jesus is going to do a few years later, saying, I will not test the Lord. And I'm thinking in my head, like, okay, right answer. Good job, Ahaz. But as we're going to see, he gets scolded. And so I stopped and I thought, hold up. I thought we weren't supposed to test God. Isn't Ahaz right in this moment? Now, most believers, if they demand a sign because of their unbelief, is not a good thing. That's where the sin is. If you say, God, you know what? You give me a sign and then I'll believe. And the opposite is in this situation. Ahaz is flat out saying, I do not want you to give me a sign. I don't believe in your words or in your promise. I have lost my faith. Your sign will mean nothing. Demanding a sign is sinful, but denying God's sign is even more sinful. So instead of accepting God's provision, he denies what God was freely willing to give. And then to make matters worse, he tries to disguise it his unbelief by citing Deuteronomy 6.16 and saying, I shall not test the Lord. But Deuteronomy 6 refers to a specific form of testing God. And when we read that chapter in context, the passage for Deuteronomy 6 explains that we should not test God as the Jews tested him at Massa. See, at Massa, the Jews were doubting God. They weren't just doubting him, I'm sorry. They were openly rebelling against God and demanding a sign. But friends, our God is patient when we doubt him, but he is not okay with our unbelief. And so here comes this man who has no faith in God extending his hand saying, let me do a sign for you. But as I say, Ahaz had no faith in God. Instead, he put his faith in Assyria. And so God, who remains faithful to him, even when people are not faithful, gave him this sign anyway. And here's our text from verse 13, and 14 is one of the famous ones, right? 
Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. It is not enough to try the patience of humans. Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This sign, this promise works at the time and also points us to the future. We know it points us to the future because of how Matthew uses this text that it points us to Jesus, points us to his birth and to the coming king. This type of birth, this birth, birth of a virgin would fulfill God's promise to the line of David and therefore Ahaz should be not afraid just because his eyes see enemies, but instead should trust in what God has promised. And at the time, we also know that this wasn't God just saying, hey man, I get it, times are tough, but one day it's going to get better, I promise you. Nor is this necessarily directly to Ahaz, that some woman that he has not married or, you know, is going to give birth to a child. I get the feeling that Ahaz would not have handled that like Joseph did, because he was not a man of faith. So instead, what this points us to is the situation in the now for Ahaz. God comes and promises him that before a child could perform, before nine months could pass, it will be so evident that I, God, will be with you that you need not fear, only trust. And that's the main point, that's the promise, that God is with him. So he goes on to say that he will be eating curds and honey. Curds and honey represent that simple diet of being able to live off the land. That soon this God with us will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. There will come a time when it will be okay. But before the child knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid to waste. That's Syria and that's Israel. And within three years, the prophecy of Syria being crushed and Israel defeated had come to terms because Assyria came in and changed rulers. And then that whole idea, maybe you take it even one step further, the idea of the boy being old enough to reject the wrong and choose the right is a hint back to the bar mitzvah, where a Hebrew, man becomes, um, a Hebrew boy becomes a man because now he can tell the difference between what is right and what is wrong. And before that could come about, Israel had been completely destroyed and the Israelites living there in exile. But that's a story for a different time because we're catching up about this. And now that we're all caught up with exactly what is going on in this Isaiah 7 text of basically a man rejecting God's desire to be with him and promise him a sign, I want to ask you and check in with you. How have you been lately? Maybe like Ahaz, you've been surrounded. You've been attacked on every side. And even with the carols and the pretty paper and the twinkling lights, there still is pain and fear and uncertainty. Because life and its messiness, its complicatedness and its brokenness don't stop because a 25 pops up on a calendar. And I can't stand up here today and give you a reason for why it's happening and I can't even promise you when it might end. But we can look at this text and in the midst of despair, in the midst of overwhelming odds, in the midst of life, we see hope and we see a promise that isn't just for people named Ahaz, but it's for you, it's for us, for us today. Because Emmanuel means God with 
us. Not God with just Ahaz or God with those who have already bought all their Christmas presents or God, who, uh, God with those who are doing good. God with us no matter what. That is more than just words. Because Emmanuel allows us to move past our feelings. Because each one of us will have times when our heart is weak and we lack strength. When we're broken down and our mind just is saying, it's just me, I'm all alone and there's no one else coming. But friends, instead of denying God's presence, this is when we lean into God. This is how we pray, God, you are with me over and over again. For that promise, that hope is what we have. That is a promise that can't be taken away by humans or by situations, for it is from God himself and sealed in Jesus Christ. And we see in this text that when we are lost and feeling alone and that our faith is almost gone, to look to the sign that he has given, the sign of the flesh and blood that came to be with us, Not just who came to catch up with us when it was convenient, but to be there, to be there with us through the pain and through the strife. He is there, breaking down whatever is surrounding you and attacking you and filling you instead with love, with peace, with hope, and with joy, giving us the courage to carry on. And that peace and that assurance that when everything is falling apart, Our lungs fill with the breath that cries out, God be praised, for He is with me. That is the hope and promise of God Himself. No matter the trial, temptation, or time of year, we stand on that promise, God with us.